Blog Talk Radio.
Connection One Us with your host, Reverend Arlene Cahat. And Reverend Harvey L. Bailey. Arlene, how are you this evening? I'm outstanding, but I'm not standing outside right at the moment. But, you know, yeah, I'm I feeling know. pretty good. All right. Well, <laughs> good, good, good. It's good to hear that. All right. So tonight we are going to have a special guest calling in and she is going to talk to us about something very 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 important um she's going to talk about how to deal with um you know some behavioral patterns that people have that may not be the best for relationships okay what do you think about that Arlene What what are your thoughts on that I think that the more help that people can give with that, the better off the world will be. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that means that tonight we are going to do our part to make the world a better place then, right? Yeah, that is absolutely correct. So, yes, I'm I'm excited about this. We're good. Yes, bring in more love. Bring in more love. Well, uh, not only are we going to bring in more love, without further ado, I am going to bring in our guest. Miss Michael Ann. Michael Ann, are you there? I I am. How are you, Michael Ann Conley? How are you? I'm loving everything so far, and we're only just getting started. Hi, Arlene. We're just getting started. (laughs) (laughs) Is that true? 
the party is just beginning. And well, we are blessed to have you music, joining you know? us for the party. <laughs> oh, you like Why, that? Thank you so much. I do. I do. Well, you know, you can always get me with a little bit of blues and a little bit of bass voice, you know. I'm, I'm like <laughs> in. I'm in. <laughs> okay, baby. All right. <laughs> okay, baby. All right. Uh, okay, now you know my secret. Oh, God. <laughs> now, now a lot of people know your secret. It's out. It's on the air. <laughs> it's on the air. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm so sorry, I forgot. You know, it's like, 
I'm sorry is always there. That's a, that's a habitual pattern that of diminishing yourself. And that's something that I think a lot of women do. Women may do it more than men do it. And it's something to get over. Or there's uh, that performance thing where you know how to look good on the outside, you know, especially on Easter Sunday. <clears throat> and, uh, and on the inside, you don't feel so good about yourself. But you don't want anybody to know. You're kind of afraid that everybody's going to find out that you are a phony or a fraud. Because somehow you're not measuring up to your own expectations. And nobody else is thinking this, usually. But a lot of women put themselves into that overperforming and, and at the same time putting themselves down, thinking, thinking of themselves as less than who they really are. You know, not being, a, not being fully in that, that blessed person that they are and not really believing that. And that's just really sad to me. It's just really sad okay. to me that, that that happens. And, and you know, I found, a, I found my way of, of working through that. And I just think that if you, if you discover something, it's just not fair to not share. Well, Michael, so, let me ask you, how did you come to find your way? I mean, the story you tell is a very popular one. I, like you said, I'm sure everyone listening can say they know someone, if not themselves, who fall into that. Mm-hmm. So what's yeah. your story? How did you come through this path and become who you are today? Well, um, the, the first piece was I, w- I was born into a family that had a long history of women who were always in charge. And some, there are some things about that that are really good, being in charge. Um, we all uh, know people or even have come in families where, where women really were the ones who were the, the steady force in the family and made things happen. And we know many stories that are told by people of power about, about the, uh, the strength of their mother who is able to be in charge. And yet there's a shadow side to that, which is the need to be in charge and not being able to receive, not being able to let others uh, join you in a certain way. And so I grew up, I was born the first child of seven, and uh, I was followed by a few boys, just just three of them, and then then there was a couple of girls, and then another boy. Um, and th- back then, you know, when I, I came up in the fifties, um, you know, the oldest daughter is supposed to um, she's like the junior mom. You know, there's expectations of the oldest daughter. But uh, at the same time, I was also smaller than my brothers, even though they were younger than me. So mm-hmm. I, grew, I grew up with this kind of uh, this way. In fact, I write about it. Uh, in a, uh, I wrote a chapter in a book, a co-author of a book that just came out called Come Out of Hiding and Shine. And in, the, in my chapter, I talk about what it was like, the impact that it had on me growing up hearing you're the oldest, you should know better. When... You don't know better at all. You just have the pressure to be the oldest and to know something that you don't actually know. And so then you learn. I learned how to perform at being the oldest and knowing better, even if I didn't know it myself. So I got early training in this because 
um, by the time I was nine years old, I'd had eight years of experience being the oldest. And uh, when I was 14, my mother gave birth to her seventh and last child. So there was a lot of that pressure. And it wasn't, um, it wasn't all good for me, I would say. It wasn't all good for me to have that kind of pressure. And yet, that pressure led me to learning something about this. So can we say it was bad? I don't think so. I don't think so. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Now, I, I have a question, though. Um, so what, oh, I guess um, you can start with your own personal story about how did you start that sort of unlayering process of mm-hmm. the the parts that weren't necessarily working for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Well, I was, I was very unhappy as a child, and I was an angry kid. Um, and in my 20s, I took all of that into doing something that I think a lot of kids do uh, when they're angry. I used substances, alcohol, drugs, and things like that that were not good for me. As a, you know, it kind of numbs you out. You don't you get to hide from, from what's really going on. And then in my mid-20s, mm-hmm. I had an opportunity to begin to learn that there was another, another way another possibility. I knew, and but some of it was that I was so unhappy that there had to be another way. Do you, do you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. In 12-step 12, in 12 programs, they call it hitting bottom, uh, where you just, there's no other, there's no place, else, no place else to go but up. And I could see a life of enormous loneliness ahead of me, and I didn't want that for myself. And I also knew that I was just uncomfortable inside myself. And it was painful, very painful. I had also, well, at that time, uh, well, I'll digress a little bit. When I was, uh, when I was 16, my family experienced uh, what most people would consider to be a tragedy. And it certainly was for us. Um, my, my, the next brother, the second child, uh, suddenly became ill, and very, very quickly, within a, a week or two of becoming ill, he died. And it was a mystery, and it was a source of great sorrow and pain in my family. I was 16, and I didn't have a clue about how to handle that grief, and so what I did is I buried it. And, you know, I know that the alcohol and the drugs that I were doing, the, the ways that I was acting was part of that running away from myself, numbing myself out so I didn't have to feel it. And then in my 20s, I, I was, um, had an opportunity to attend a workshop. Now, this was back in the 70s. And uh, maybe there's people out there that were living in the 70s. <laughs> I was living in the 70s. And uh, this workshop uh, led me to a new possibility that there was some other way that I could learn to live and not be in quite so much pain. And I began a journey. I was 26 years old, and I began a journey of seeking my way out of all of that internal grief uh, about my brother's death, about my anger over being pressured to know when I didn't. And uh, that led me to um, seeking... um, 
uh, a professional path that was different. I was in my 20s. I was a journalist because I was still angry. You know, I wanted to tell the truth to power because that's what journalists did back in the 70s. Not so much anymore, unfortunately, but that's what they did in the 70s. They were truth tellers, and I wanted to be that. But that began to wear on me because I was doing some work for magazines that, and newspapers that were not not honoring that. And so I became interested in health and nutrition at the same time as I was learning about new ways of thinking about myself. And this ended up being a path out of my pain and my sorrow, out of my depression and out of my anxiety, because I found found people who were willing to hold me and guide me when I needed it the most and who pointed me in directions, and then I chose to take those directions. So, Michael Ann, how did you come to learn and put together or create what you now teach others? Um. The I, I was really lucky, Harvey. I ended up in a master's degree program that had some academics, for sure, but it also was actually an experiential program. It was, a, it was like a shamanic journey. And a primary focus of this program was built on that old, old, old sailing saying uh, in medicine, physician heal thyself. So there was an expectation in this program that each of us was on a personal journey and we were going to do our own healing and that you couldn't, under any circumstances, uh, help others if you hadn't done your own work. And in in that process, I was led uh, by serendipity or you might say... uh, it was a, a, a God shot, shot in, in a way, is how some people call it. I was led into the field of alcohol and drug addiction. And it was a powerful, powerful gift to be brought into something that actually helped me and also helped me help others. Okay. All right. So, Michael Ann, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to want to hear about how you help empower women and some motivated men. Mm -hmm, (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Welcome to the Family Healing Circle, where we inspire awareness, manifesting, motivating, and educating every day. On Sundays, it's Make Me Feel It Radio with Stacey Ferguson. This show is starting a movement as it seeks to inspire people to grow and change the world through personal and financial development. On Mondays, it's Totally Whole with Pastor Cook and Dr. Maxine. This show addresses issues related to spirituality and mental health. On Tuesdays, it's Money Matters with Chastity A. Wells. This show will help you get your money right and your financial house in order. On Wednesdays, it's the RN Perspective with our own RN, Stacey Lamore. Change the way you think about health by understanding the connection you have with all things 
and how your habits affect your health. Learn to heal holistically. On Thursdays, it's four weeks, four different shows. Five weeks, five different shows. The first Thursday of the month is Total Empowerment, where beauty and strength is enhanced inside and out with Angela Hardy. The second Thursday of the month is One Love, One Connection, One Us. Turn your relationship into a spiritual union with Reverend Arlene Cahet and Reverend Harvey L. Bailey. The third Thursday of the month is the Sacred Masculine Show with Reverend Jamel Gilliam, a show for spiritual brothers and the women who love them. The fourth Thursday of the month is the Inner Consciousness with Reverend Harvey L. Bailey. This show explores the inner world of our mind and gives advice on spiritual growth and self-healing. The fifth Thursday of the month is Healing Paradigm with Reverend Arlene Cahat, healing the mind, body, and spirit through changing viewpoints. On Fridays, it's Let's Talk Love, Sex, and Nutrition. It's sexual health and fitness like you've never heard it before with Vondria Walters and Zakia Lana. The Family Healing Circle on Blog Talk Radio, 7 to 9 p.m. every day. And now you can subscribe to our YouTube channel at Family Healing Circle Media. Family Healing Circle, healing the mind, body, and soul.
we're back with our special guest, Michael Ann Connolly. So, Michael Ann, tell us, how do you help women? What is it that you actually do? Well, you know, Harvey, one of the things that I've learned in you know 25 years of being a therapist is uh, is actually shocking that so many never really experienced uh, being listened to, being heard in a deep way. And I know that you, the two of you, do do a lot of that in your work too. Would you say that? Would mm-hmm. you agree with that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And. Yeah, and and to to deeply to deeply see someone and listen to them, uh, I would say this is unfortunate that I am often the first person that someone has that experience with their their way of seeing themselves and the way that they've experienced themselves in their life isn't with isn't what I would call true seeing and true listening to really get who someone is. So a big part of my work is developing a very deeply personal connection with someone and and helping them see themselves. So uh, there's that piece. I have okay. a number of different ways that I, that I do that, but one of the ways that has really been important to me, uh, you know, I mentioned that, that master's program that I was lucky to be in that you know, have this experiential component. So maybe I should say a little bit about what that is. Would that be would that be helpful? What I mean by yeah, experiential? Please, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. So um, we um, we live in a world that is highly oriented highly oriented toward cognition as the knower of truth. And so even I, that growing up, you're the oldest, you should know better, that knowing is something that we tend to default to as a mental thing. And yet the mind, or what we call the mind, is a part of a larger organism. And we have a word for that, but we tend to split those two. The word that we have for that larger larger organism is the body. Okay. So, you know, like, okay, so... We tend to use words like I have a body. Well, who's the I mm-hmm. and who's the body, right? And that's mm-hmm. a phrase that people use, I have a body. Well, wait a minute, yeah. wait a minute. That's not really, that, that's, a, that's a massive group thing that's been going on for years and years and years, <laughs> you know, that we have bodies. <laughs> we are bodies. We are a fully functioning organismic being that contains specialized functions within it. And it's a magnificent creation. Would you not agree? I would. That we are. Absolutely. Yes. I, I, would you say that, Arlene? Yeah, like this is like, yes. if, you, if you think about it, if you even like step away from the spiritual, I mean the whole spiritual piece about this is extraordinary. But if you step away from that and just, just think of what happens, in the physical form of a body, which is literally changing shape over something we call time. It, we are shape changers. And you can see that 
in looking, if you look at a photo album of your life and you could see who you were at two and three and five and seven and nine and 30 and even beyond that, that you see this story of changing shapes. And that is a vessel that is, um, well, it's a temple, actually. I mean, uh, one of the great masters of the West, uh, the uh, great master of, they say, the, the Western world in the sense of from the Golden Crescent uh, in uh, the Mediterranean area said, the kingdom of heaven is within, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Mm-hmm. And, and what actually did uh, he mean by that? Well, short of calling him up on the phone and involving him in this uh, blog talk radio, I don't know that we're going to get him lost. But <laughs> well, we can, I think Arlene you know, and I, we might know somebody who could channel him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, we, we, we could do that, but it, it would be a faint representation, a faint representation. So as a... Uh, as a, uh, a, a child of God myself, let me give it a shot, which is I believe that when he said the kingdom of heaven is within, he was saying that the being that you are is a temple. It is a resource. It is an elegant, elegant exemplar of, of, of the life force, right? I mean, that's what I would say. And what we have done, unfortunately, is we have relegated this extraordinary temple, this vessel, to being a sideshow that's just basically a vehicle just carrying around this um, thing we call a brain. So we're all just like walking heads, right? <laughs> In some way, even athletes. <laughs> You know, just go to a mall, go to any mall. I, I, I invite anybody here, next time you're at a mall, just go sit down, you know, step away for 15 minutes from your rush to go and get something and just sit down and just watch all of the walking heads. People who are not, you can tell they're walking and they're running themselves from their brains and they're not in touch with this vessel that, that is uh, an extraordinary organism that actually created its own brain. It, it, the, over time, it created this, this function of feedback loop. So, so what I'd say is what we, what we call the mind, that thing that gets busy, 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 you know, yap, 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 yap. Mm-hmm. The Buddhists call it busy mind, but, you know, we say busy, 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 that we are constantly in this dialogue inside this busy state of ourselves without listening to the signals that are coming from elsewhere. And, in fact, okay. the mind is – go ahead, go ahead. Oh, you no, no, you, you finished that. Say? You finished that because I want okay. you to finish where you were going. Okay, so I was going to say that we've become socialized – to treat our minds as a dictator that is telling us what to do. I got to lose 10 pounds. I got to stop doing this or I should do that as if it was in charge when in fact that's not its function. Its function is to listen 
to the signals from the entire organism and feedback suggestions that might help things work more fluently. Yeah, I'm in total agreement with that. So tell us, you know, let's drill down to it. If I'm one of these motivated men, because I'm not going to be a woman, not at least in this conversation. You know, I have been in other conversations. You know, a month ago I was Arlene. <laughs> but, but today I'm going to stay gender appropriate. And so if I'm one of the motivated men and I'm working with you, what exactly is it that you're going to help me to help me? You're going to help me do to become empowered. What would what would I actually? What could I expect? Yeah, well, the very first thing is I'm going to ask you some questions that you probably don't have answers for. Okay. Questions so like what? Here's a, so a question like, how are you using yourself right now? Now, that is not a typical question because most of us mm-hmm. don't think of ourselves as beings that are using ourselves. So then mm-hmm. I ask, how are you using yourself right now? And then, and then I say, it's okay to say I don't know. So, so the, the, the orientation is let's find out how you're using yourself and guide you to influence that. Now, what I've learned uh, from uh, my mentors is that satisfaction is much more important than happiness. Would you be interested in knowing why? Sure I would. Okay. So happiness is something we're all seeking. In fact, it's written into the Constitution of the United States that we have the right to happiness, to the pursuit of happiness. Well, that's the problem. Mm -hmm. Happiness is something you're pursuing. It's always like that carrot on the stick. And you have moments of happiness, and it typically is fleeting. So we have an experience of of happiness as something that happens to us instead of something that we generate from inside us. I'm not saying that that's, you know, that that couldn't change, but that's the way most of us tend to think about happiness. We have an association, uh, uh, a rhythm of thinking about happiness. Satisfaction, however, comes from how you manage yourself in a situation, regardless of whether it's a happy situation or not. So we're taught, we're you know our topic here is about relationships and ways that people will sabotage themselves or even destroy their relationships, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, um, I don't know about you, but I've been in a relationship where there was a fight going on, yeah. Is that familiar? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've fought with myself plenty of times in relationships. (laughs) (laughs) It shows up in the world as me fighting with the other person. Well, well, exactly. Yeah, you got that right. Yeah, fighting with the other person. Well, the thing is, is that in that fight with that other person, sometimes that other person's fighting with you. And you've got a situation that it's kind of hard to resolve because you both have a point of view. cases, each person could have a valid point of view. Mm-hmm. But it, and you can't change that other person. You, can, you could potentially influence them, but you're not going to influence them by trying to influence them. The way you influence them is by changing yourself. Right? 
just set an example, mm-hmm. correct? So I have been in situations where there was nothing I could do. I was completely powerless over what the other person believed, over the way that they acted, over the way that they treated me. So what I was left with is influencing my own attitude and behavior in relationship to that person. So there are situations when what, what we take away from a difficult, challenging situation is that, wow, that was rough, and I feel really satisfied about how I handled myself in it. And that is, for me, that is the ultimate goal, is to know that you have managed yourself in a situation in such a way that you feel deeply fulfilled and satisfied, even if you didn't get what you wanted from the other person. Okay. So, All right. So Michael I, and I want to open the lines up because I, I think we might have some people who want to ask you some more questions along that line. So for our callers out there, if you have any questions for Michael Ann, just go ahead and press 1 on your phone, and then we'll go ahead and bring you in. All right. And so, Michael Ann, while we're waiting for some calls, go ahead and finish, finish what you're saying. Okay. So, um so in these beliefs that we have, that the mind is the one in charge, we have forgotten that the mind is there to serve. True leaders find out where their followers want to go, and then they lead them there, right? Mm-hmm. That's what a real leader does. Yeah. Um, um, Martin Luther King was a leader who saw what was happening and found a way to bring us forward. Through that, right? Mm-hmm. You agree with that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. leaders, yeah. real leaders serve. They don't dictate. They serve. And so if we, if, we, if we use our minds as a dictator, we're not serving ourselves and we're not serving others. So this invites us to connect with what's really going on inside, inside that kingdom. And there is a way to do that that is so powerful and elegant, I share it. And that is muscular action patterns. And what is that? Well, right now, Uh you're probably doing something that uses muscle, right? You're sitting. Yeah. I'm standing, but yeah. Okay, so you're standing. Okay, so in order to stand... Actually, Harvey, can I use you as an, as an example? And you can share sure with us what your experience is. Okay. Since okay. you're standing, what I'd like mm-hmm. for you to do right now is uh, lock your knees and brace your back. Okay. Just lock your knees and notice what happens physically when you do that and tell us what you notice. Yeah, I feel tense. Yeah, feel tense, right. Okay, mm-hmm. now tune, in, tune into your feet right now and... Mm-hmm. Soften your, soften your knees and tell me what happens with your feet. Well, when I soften my knees, I get a better, like a grip on the, I'm more solid on the floor. Yeah. And also my yeah. feet become more comfortable. Yes. So even though when you are standing with your feet locked, even though your feet mm-hmm. are on the floor, you're not connected to the floor as much as when you soften that tension, right? 
Right. So when you're in that mall and looking at people, you're going to look at a lot of people who are walking, braced and locked, and they're not connected to themselves physically. And we even see that in athletes. I've worked with athletes who know how to perform athletically, but they are not tuned in muscularly to a connection that's between the mind, the heart, and the muscle. And that's the emotional state. They can perform. They can do what they need to do. They can push through. Plenty of people just push through. And they do what they need to do. We all use ourselves muscularly every day. Because of habits, you know, we have uh, the, the body generates these mm-hmm. subroutines so that, we, so that we can get out of bed in the morning. So we don't have to do Groundhog Day, you know. Oh, <laughs> what do I do now? You know? Groundhog Day wasn't exactly all that bad. He got the girl. He got the money. <laughs> I know. He I had to repeat it a few that. times, but. He had to re- yeah, right. Well, just imagine, just imagine if you had Groundhog Day just on how to get out of bed. Imagine that. In fact, in fact, this is what happens in the first three years of life, you know? Picture that little baby. And what does the mm-hmm. baby do? After a certain bit of time, that baby is learning to roll over, learning to mm-hmm. sit up, learning how to stand, and then it falls down, fall down, go boom, you know? And it doesn't necessarily cry when it falls down. It gets back up. And all of that is muscular action. And then we get that little brain working, and we forget that, that the brain has a partner, And, Michael Ann, I got a caller on the line who wants to talk. Hold on a minute here while we bring the caller in. Caller, you're on the line, number ending in 1832. Peace and blessings to you, Brother Harvey and Arlene. We're not to you. Peace and blessings. How are you today, love? I am grateful, grateful, grateful. Thank you so much. And I want to thank you for having Michael Ann on. And, Michael Ann, I thank you so much for being with us tonight. I am learning quite a bit from you. And so just wanted to um, – I did want to ask you a question, if I may, with regard to um, work in the um, addiction um, mm-hmm. community. And my question would be, people who are experiencing addiction, how do they – sabotage their relationships and how um, can the ones who are in a relationship with them not sabotage themselves, mm-hmm. I guess is my question. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good, too. You recognize that they sabotage themselves, too, right? Yeah. They're not just They're not just sabotaging their relationships, but they're sabotaging themselves. Tell me your name. I do apologize. My name is Zakia. Is Z. Zakia. Did I did I Zakia? Zakia, yeah. I I love that. I love that Zakia. Thank you. So so um uh, let's note that there's a whole range, a whole continuum around addictions and I say from the simply annoying to the seriously life threatening. And that a lot of times when we're talking about addictions that are really destructive, we're talking about uh, the usual suspects, alcohol, drugs, pills, um, uh, smoking, and uh, even uh, even food can be a serious addiction that is life-threatening, that kind of thing. And the vast majority of us are somewhere in the middle between the, you know, the, the, the simply annoying, like chewing your fingernails, that kind of thing. 
where you're never going to get a DUI from chewing your fingernails. <laughs> but uh, in, in most of us, most of us, the vast majority of us are are dealing with habitual patterns that we feel addicted in that we are not necessarily in control of them. The habit has us rather than us being in charge of that. And when you when you get that hooked, it becomes the primary focus. So, um, uh, so let's say Zakia, let's say I am super, super focused on needing to tell you what to do because I know better than you do what you need to do. Have you ever known anybody like that? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, I yeah. have. Yeah, we know. Yeah, it's like, yeah, me too, me too. So if I know better than you and I am so attached to that, I am not going, I'm going to like tightening and squeezing like Harvey when he was locking his knees. I'm going to tighten and squeeze myself in such a way that I can't open my heart to you as a being who has her own rhythm and her own knowledge and her own wisdom. And that's going to shut me down from seeing you and hearing you. And it's going to shut down the possibility of a deep connection between us. Would, would you say that that's true? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And so we call it an, a, a technically on a medical level, an addiction has a specific pattern that is biological, but there is a recognition like for instance, more recently that the behavior of gambling is actually recognized that it changes the neurotransmitters in the brain so that we can broaden our definition of an addiction as being something that is deeply embedded and it comes first over and above anything else. And so a lot of times we'll have people who are dealing with those life-threatening addictions, the alcoholic, for instance, or the drug addict, and that's so primary for them that, that they will do anything to get that and they will sacrifice their relationship with you or with anybody else. They will put that addiction first. What's harder to see is those addictions that are about overdoing and overperforming and over-controlling because, after all, I'm just being helpful, aren't I? I mean, I know what you need, and I'm just being helpful. So it's actually harder in some ways to deal with those addictions because we're in denial of the of the, the deficit, we're in denial of what it, the price that it costs us around that. Does that is that a good start around your question, Zakia? Yes, um, and I get the part about what the other person. So how, as uh, the person that's in relationship, not having mm-hmm. sabotaging ourselves? Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, when this is what makes it harder, actually, because uh, we can live without alcohol and drugs, um, but we can't live without food and we can't live without relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so if you've got someone who's got an addiction to something that actually isn't necessary for life, um, you know, uh, watching too much television or uh, yelling and screaming or or drinking, using, those kind of things, and you're in relationship with that person, then what tends to happen is the temptation to start building up a lot of resentment and anger 
because that person isn't dealing with their stuff and trying to change them instead of recognizing that the first place that we need to start is by changing ourselves. And the tricky part is, oh, how do I change myself without having it be like, wait a minute, why am I doing all the work? They're not changing, and I'm doing all this stuff, and why do I have to do it all? I heard that a lot. And that's a trap that those of us on this side of the equation fall into that uh, that they are doing something that's really bad. I'm not doing anything bad. I just want them to stop doing that. And yet it doesn't help if we overly focus on their behavior instead of focusing on ourselves. So, so the, the attempt to tune in to what you're feeling physically is really important because we get all wound up in that little mental thing busy, busy, I'm just thinking about him and her, what they're doing, instead of what's happening in me right now. And, and even that, you know, if you think about, not think about, if you actually experience feelings, feelings are something that no one can take away from you. So if you tell me right now, I feel sad right now, I could say, no, you don't feel sad, but then I'm just being that controlling person, Right? Because no one can take your sadness away from you. But if you say, that person is making me do this, well, I could question that. Mm-hmm. I could say, wait a minute, how, what are they doing to make you do this? Or make you feel this way? So, we have, so in starting with ourselves, I, what I found is it's a lot easier to work with those physical sensations. Start there instead of working with the mind, because the mind is just all over the map. It's just bouncing around. It's hard to grasp. That's because nervous system tissue works at a higher frequency than physical tissue. And that's where muscular action patterns come in. So could I give you an example? Would it be okay if I gave you an example? Absolutely. Thank you. Okay. So I'm in a, I'm in a situation, say I'm going to go back to a situation I was in with somebody, and they were enraged, and there was no reasoning. There's no reason to a person who's enraged. In that moment, what I, did, what I did, because I had learned how to do this, is I just tapped in to where I was feeling the tension. And then I have a practice that I learned and that I teach about how to modulate that contraction so that I wasn't stiffening myself in response to this person's rage. While I'm in, the, in it and thinking, okay, am I going to... Am I going to stay in this room or am I going to leave this room? Sometimes, you know, somebody's enraged, you leave the room, they just follow you. You mm-hmm. walk out the house, they just follow you, right? So you are, you're, you're using your mind, but at the same time, to be able to, to untense the stress that you're in helps your mind think more clearly about what to do. And in that situation, I decided not to leave. Because I had some, I had some things I needed to do in relationship to this person, and if I walked out, I'd be closing the door forever, and I wasn't ready to do that. But I knew I was making that decision not out of just spinning in my head, but because I was working with myself physically, so that I could reduce the tension in myself. It was very, very powerful. It was. 
it was one of those situations where I couldn't control the other person, but I could influence myself. Excellent, and thank you for that example. And I, I guess I would even include in that taking those deep breaths that they you mm-hmm. know, that we know are so very important. So thank you so Ab- much. I appreciate absolutely. That. Thank you so much, Zakia. That's a good reminder. Yes, to always take those deep breaths. Thank you, Michael. Right. I appreciate you. And thank you, Harvey and Arlene, for having you. You're welcome. Zakia, thank, thank you for being on the show. And uh, you saw the text, right? Yes, I did. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and uh, Michael Ann, Zakia is mm-hmm. she's a part of the Family Healing Circle family. She's oh, actually great. one of the hosts of one of the shows on the Family Healing Circle. Zakia, oh. go ahead and plug your show real quick. Okay, yeah, tell you, us Harvey. about it. Yeah, so Michael Wayne and for all those others who are listening, um, I am co-hosting with my beautiful uh, friend Bonnie on on Friday nights at 7.30, our first and third Friday of the month. And if there's a fifth Friday, we're on on the fifth Friday, 7.30 Eastern Standard Time on Let's Talk Love, Sex, and Nutrition. Let's Talk Love, Sex, and Nutrition. And we are so blessed to be able to have amazing conversations and guests who talk about those three things, love. We love talking about love, and we absolutely love talking about sex. And then also my beautiful friend Bonnie is a health and wellness coach, and she loves talking nutrition as well. So uh, ah. come join us. Uh, next Friday, not tomorrow, but next Friday, 7.30 p.m. on the same uh, number that you called in tonight. Yeah, and that's great. And talk love, sex, and nutrition. Thank you so much, oh. Harvey. Right, and we will welcome you, uh, Michael Wayne, to join us. Thank you, Zakia. I appreciate it. Thank you. Peace and blessings. Yeah. Peace and blessings, love. Peace and blessings. All right. So, Michael, and we are getting close to wrapping up. Is there an exercise that you can walk us through just to kind of get us feeling uh, more in touch mm-hmm. with our bodies? Well, actually, there is, and I want to take off on what the, the key was talking about, the breath, which is a really, uh, a really good place to start because all of us are doing it all the time, right? Yeah, we kind yeah, of have yeah. to, you know. People have tried yeah. going without, and they tend to pass out. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Well, it's an interesting thing about the breathing mechanism because breathing is something that is both involuntary, meaning it just happens from the moment of our first breath until we take our last, but it's also something we can influence. Take a deep breath, right? There's another thing about breathing that most of us don't focus on that I really like to introduce people to. So can I walk us through that and we can kind of, the three of you us can go together can. and anybody sure. else listening in can go along with us? Okay. So, um, so most breathing exercises will kind of set a standard for a, a way to breathe, and this is not that kind of exercise. This is an exercise in noticing what is, no matter what it is, and not changing it with any intention. Just So just be attentive right now to your breathing. Without, it's like there's no perfect way to breathe. There's no right way. There's no wrong way. There's just the way you're doing it now. 
And as you do this breathing without any kind of special additions, just notice what is moving in you. And I will give some examples of things that people have shared with me. So in noticing what moving, as you breathe, you might notice perhaps um, the rising and falling of your chest. Mm-hmm. So you can just notice that, that, it, that there's movement happening there, right? Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes people will say, I can, I can feel the movement of air into my nose as I breathe in or out of my mouth as I breathe out or the other way around, whatever it is, just noticing the movement. And sometimes people will notice uh, movement in their belly as they breathe, just normal, everyday, average breathing, not trying to make it perfect or anything. What we don't tend to do is notice further beyond that. So I'm going to invite you to notice as you breathe, notice the movement in your back. And this might be a little bit easier if you're um, sitting in a chair with a back on it. But even so, just allow yourself to become aware of movement in your back. So physically, the body uh, has lungs, and the lungs are encased in a barrel. We call that the rib cage. And most of the time when we do breathing exercises, we are focusing on the forward movement of the breath in the front of us. But we don't realize that the lungs are moving in all directions. They move back. So just feel the movement in your back. They move up. So you might notice that maybe there's a lift in your shoulders. They move diagonally or to the sides. You might even notice movement as you become more aware of movement in the side of your trunk, up against your arms, or even the movement of your arms, whether you are intentionally moving or not, your breath is moving you up, down, side to side, forward and back, in all directions. There is movement when you breathe. And that is a way to connect with the bodying of breathing, not just breathing to settle your mind, which is all good, but not just breathing to deeply breathe to calm yourself, but actually to feel the movement in you just from breathing. There we go. Okay. Javi, are you there? I am. That yeah. was good. How was that? Yeah. Could that you report back? Good. Tell me a little bit. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about what you experienced. I'd love to hear that. Go ahead, Arlene. Um, I, I have to say I didn't actually participate in the exercise, but oh. what the the thought that actually really did uh, come that uh, come to mind is that um, one of the uh, terms that I believe that's used in yoga about the body mind, where 
you're mm-hmm. causing the body to release the stress, the tension, and the things of that nature. And so mm-hmm. I, I think that while you were talking, my mind went back to the knowledge that I already had about what mm-hmm. it was that you were sharing with us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's movement, too, because the mind is moving. Okay. Right. Yeah. I felt Can't it very calming and peaceful. I could feel energy rising up in mm-hmm. the body as you were doing mm-hmm. it. So it was pretty nice. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Now, Michael, Ann, let us know how can we get in touch with you? Where are you hailing from? Well, I am on the uh, left coast. As we <laughs> the left <say>. coast, <laughs> <laughs> not the west coast, but the left coast. <laughs> well, you could you could call it the west coast, but you know, I like to think of it as the left coast, especially in these times. You know, <laughs> the left side of the map as you're looking. Getting a little political <laughs> there. <laughs> yes, well. Let's just leave it at that. Let's just leave it at that. We want to breathe together. We want to breathe together over the next two weeks. Let's just breathe together, brothers and sisters. Yes. Um, so I am in the San Francisco Bay Area, um, which is a lovely part of the country. And uh, and I have a practice. I have a health center that I founded here 23 years ago. And then I have my practice in helping people overcome their overdoing and their overperforming, all of the anxiety and overwhelm that they put themselves through. And and I'd love to share a link that I have on my website. You know, if somebody wants to engage in a more personal and private conversation, uh, to have that conversation, sure, would that be okay? Cool. My website. My website is Habits into Health. That's H A B I T S Habits, and then the word into into H E A L T H dot com, and then forward slash the word breakthrough. You know, like we all want to break through those habits <laughs> that don't serve us. Breakthrough B R E A K T H R O U G H and then a little hyphen and the word consultation. And if you can't remember that, just go to habitsintohealth.com and click the Get Support button. Um, what I'm doing this fall is something really special. I'm so excited about it because all of my people that overdo and are overspending particularly, you know, we get into the holidays, it's like a freeway. It's like a packed freeway. One holiday after another. It's never ending from October through January, through the middle of January, you know, until we get a rest with our special day in the middle of January, you know. And all of this leads people to really overdo. So I'm, I'm, um, I'm uh, scheduling some holiday habit makeover sessions to help people get mm-hmm. through the holidays without regret and grief and anxiety so that they can have a holiday that's filled with love peace and calmness okay all right and would you like to give out your number uh, web address Uh, just habits into health is the web address h-a-b-i-t-s into health.com 
And my phone number is 925 here in the U.S. That would be, if you're listening from outside the U.S., you do plus one. And then 925-262-4848. And that will get you to my voicemail. All right. Well, thank you, Michael. We appreciate you being here with us this evening, spending this time with us and, you know, enlightening and educating us on some things and especially that exercise. Hopefully everyone in the listening area did that exercise with Michael Ann. If not, you still have a chance to reach out to her. She gave you her information and she can help you with that exercise and a lot more, right? I hope I hear what I All right. Well, thank you, Michael. All right. And so, Arlene, you're welcome. Arlene. Yes? Is there anything that you got going that you'd like to share with everyone? Um, No, not at the moment. Although next month um, uh, we will be having a show that, you know, um, I think I'm going to call, you know, don't. Don't cause yourself more pain. Don't cause yourself more pain. Mm-hmm. All right. And that's going to be next month right here on Blog Talk Radio? Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, that'll be next month, um, the second Thursday of the month at 7 p.m. with um, with my with myself and you, Reverend Harvey O. Bailey. Hey, I'm going to be there. All right. Hey, you're going to be there. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to it. Yeah, and yourself, Harvey, what do you have going on? Well, on Sunday, October 23rd, I am going to be at the Spiritual Empowerment Center, sort of a homecoming for me. I'll be at the Spiritual Empowerment Center. I'll be delivering the message that day. So come on out and hear Reverend Harvey speak. Also, afterwards, I will be doing a free workshop called the Seven Pillars of Self-Love, Seven Pillars of Self-Love. Learn learn to love yourself better. That's Sunday, October 23rd. It's at 4701 Yellowwood Avenue in Baltimore, Maryland, 21209, and service begins at 1030 in the morning. Also, on Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> I will be doing a balancing your male and female energies with, or should I say at, Indigenal. Indigenal is on Reed Street. Why I don't have that address? I mean, what is the address for Indigenal? I know you know it. (laughs) Not by heart. Not by heart. Okay. So let's stall while I pull the address up. (laughs) It is... In Baltimore, Maryland, downtown Baltimore, Maryland, on Reed Street. And that's going to be Halloween, and we start at 6.45 p.m. Um, I'm still trying to get that address. And so that's uh, what I have going on, at least for right now. Okay, okay. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. 
Yeah. Okay, it's at 213 West Reed Street, Baltimore, Maryland, 21201. That's 213 West Reed Street, and it is Halloween night at 6.45 p.m. I'll be doing a Balancing Your Male and Female Energy Meditation. Okay, so, Arlene, any closing words you want to share before we go ahead and walk away for the night? Mm. No, not really, but, you know, um, again, the you know, in order to have a relationship with others, you need to start with yourself first, begin loving yourself, healing yourself, and unlayering yourself to get to your authentic self, to, you know, be the best that you can be, and, and uh, I think all things sort of fall into place, and, and understand that it's always an ongoing process. All right. That's beautiful. I have nothing to say other than I co-sign on that. And I love you all. Good night. And we'll do this again in two weeks. Right here on Blog Talk Radio with the Inner Consciousness. Have a good evening. Peace and blessings, everyone. I never meant to call you when you saw
Close it. 